The Deal with Yield is a podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. Tune in to episodes on iTunes and thedealwithyield.com. Welcome to The Deal with Yield with our host, Joel Wipperforth, Ag Technology Applications Lead for Winfield United. Joining us again in the studio today to talk nutrient management is John Zook, Winfield United agronomist based in southern Minnesota. John, what can farmers do right now to set themselves up for healthy crops in 2018? So I think the first thing that farmers can do to set themselves up for a healthy crop is going back and looking at what worked in 2017. Every year, the weather changes. Every year, maybe prices, economics change a little bit. But what works, for the most part, is going to stay very similar across your operation. And this might be different for different operations. I know several different growers that I work directly with or with a retailer with, different things work because of the different ways that they farm. So going back and looking at the data, looking at the information we gathered from 2017 is a great way to start looking in and how to manage for 2018. You know, I always look at the winter months here. Everybody's a good farmer. Everybody's a good farmer in Excel spreadsheet in January, John. And the things that you need to do to set yourself up for a great year, there's some decisions that you need to make right away. You need to make decisions about, uh, you have to put a seed treatment on. You need to make decisions about how much uh, P and K you're going to put down. But there's some decisions that you can actually delay into season when you start to know a little bit more about how the year is shaping up and what the yield potential is. And I think that's one of the new things that's kind of going on in the decision ag space is delaying crop input decisions till you know more about what the potential is. So a lot of that starts with variety selection. And when you start with variety selection, some of the things that, you know, of the 236 plus varieties that we've analyzed in the answer plots, we've come out with response scores on these. And one of these scores in particular that helps you delay these input decisions is response to nitrogen. So John, you've used response to nitrogen scores looking at different hybrids. How do you think about response to nitrogen scores when selecting a hybrid and placing it on a field? I think the first thing that I look at in a response to nitrogen by that hybrid is what's my soil potential? What's my capacity of that soil? Joel, it goes kind of back to organic matter, maybe rainfall given the area, because that gives me an idea of maybe what RTN score I can actually put on that field. The next thing that I'd look at was how much end do I have in the fall? Now, there's some areas, one of them probably most prominently in my area, southeastern Minnesota, where we can't apply any fall end anymore. So this is kind of a widespread thing that's going to be traveling too. But if we have nitrogen down, whether it's in the form of uh, anhydrous urea, manure, let's make sure, number one, it's stabilized, so it's going to be there in the spring. But number two, a lot of the times if you want to use this score to your advantage, don't put too much down. You want to be able to make that decision in season. And I always say, well, is your crop going to come out of the ground? When it does come out of the ground, what's your population? How does it look? How do you feel? Did the market change any? That might allow you to make a lot of better decision on maybe spending a few more dollars on nitrogen and maybe taking a tissue sample or something to add some sulfur in or those sorts of things as well. 
I oftentimes talk with some producers that are in different equity positions in their operation, whether they, they own a little bit more land, maybe they're a little younger and they're leveraged a little bit more. And one of the things setting up for a holistic approach to plant nutrition that I always encourage people to take a look at is if you have some fields that are built up on fertility, phosphorus and potassium in particular, those are places that if the levels are really high, you may be able to take a year off on fertilizer. But if you don't have fertility levels that are built up that are in a high sufficiency range, you really don't have that option to take a year off. Now, that's always a a little bit of a touchy subject to say somebody can take a year off on fertility, especially when this last year they may have just had a record year, even though it was kind of a okay spring and kind of a cooler fall, but they may have just pulled off a really, really large crop. So it's always a touchy subject talking about that. But if you don't have your base levels of fertility built up, you really don't have any luxury option of being able to make input adjustments for going into a 2018 year. I think maybe you could talk in relationship of maybe where that farmer status is, whether they're older, maybe more a little bit well-developed, own most of their ground, those sorts of things, or maybe younger and rent most of the ground. You could look at it that way, but you could also look at it field by field, right? How do you manage field by field within that operation? Because we all know that certainly there's some pieces out there that are way too high in rent. So how do we manage them differently than perhaps that home farm that we know is probably way too high in fertility. So the thing is, is I don't know agronomically if I ever think of taking a year off, maybe more of what I think about is putting yourself into the nutrient management or that holistic approach of how well did you set yourself up to make in-season decisions for this year. So what I see a lot of farmers and agronomists going to in trying to put themselves into this position is, number one, we've been getting really, really high yields coming off. And what we find is trending more towards a one-year average application. So putting fertilizer on every acre every year allows that grower to make a better decision of maybe you got to swing into some corn or maybe you got to swing into soybeans, or perhaps maybe you pulled off a lot more yield. Now you can kind of make those adjustments across that acre if you're putting fertilizer on every year. If you're doing that two-year approach or that in some cases, maybe it's a three, four-year approach to fertilizer application, depending upon where you're at, you can't adjust as quickly for those big crop years or maybe the swing acres, those sorts of things. So I think financially being able to put that fertilizer on ahead of time and make that decision puts you in a better spot in the long run. I think, you know, along with that, sometimes the prices of fertilizer commodities actually follow the price of the grain commodities. And so you may be in a place where corn's not exactly $7 anymore, but the price of potash isn't over $1,000 a ton right now either. And those are some situations where going back to a a year-by-year fertilizer spread may help you cost balance and make it through the 2018 holistically. Yeah. And the other thing too is by that year-by-year is if you do have to take a year off, maybe you only can take half of it, right? You don't have to take the whole year, cut all fertilizer off. Maybe you can take half of it. There's some research done, I think it was from Iowa State that shows once you start cutting fertilizers, it's going to take you three, four years, you're back to where you started. So maybe it took you 10, 12 years to finally get that field built up to where you wanted it to. Three, four years, you're back down because we know is as you get that fertility level built up in the farm, you get higher and higher crops before you start to recognize the fall. You're still getting banging crops coming off that farm and your fertility has yet dropped. The other thing that I would note is on that holistic fertilizer approach, maybe we're only taking soil samples every four years. 
So if you're only taking a soil sample, you got one data point every four years. That would say, hey, if you took two years off within that four, are you really measuring something that you can manage across that whole acre? Year-to-year fertilizer applications, make sure you stay on top of that so you don't get surprises when you take that soil sample every four years and go, whoa, fell way off the board on that one. Yeah, and this is crop specific, but I figure with two dairy guys, two ex-dairy guys in the room, alfalfa is probably one of the places where pre-planning two years out is probably the biggest thing that you have to prepare for, that you need to get the lime right, and you need to get the potassium right. And for two reasons. Number one, alfalfa is more sensitive to pH than other crops. And number two, as a luxury consumer of potassium, you can't build fertility while the crop is growing. And you're committing to a two, three, or four-year rotation. This is a place where building that soil fertility up before going into that rotation is pretty crop-specific. But you've got to have a great plan going into alfalfa. Yeah, you want to make sure with alfalfa that you put the potassium into position where the alfalfa actually has to work it out of the soil. If you're putting that potassium over onto the broadcast as you as you seed that farm down or throughout the harvest years of it, you're just getting a bunch of luxury consumption versus if you just had that soil built up across that acre in the first place. What resources are available to help farmers plan their input purchases for optimal ROI potential? Well, I think one resource that's beginning to be utilized more and more is actually a yield map. And soil samples are a great place to start with understanding what we need for pH adjustments for potassium and phosphorus. But crop removal is a really easy thing to calculate from a yield map. And that's one of the places where they're really holding their value in there. I think this is one of those technologies that when you go across the field, you know, John, what's the highest most realistic number you've seen in a combine? And not when you jerk the hydrostat, but what's the biggest yield number that you've seen in a combine yield monitor? Well, I'd say well into the 300s. So a 300. Is anybody you know doing crop removal for 300 bushels in your geography? No. No. Yeah. So I think this is a place where yield maps, I do believe those 300, 350s, 400 numbers that come out pending your yield geography, this is a place where precision ag was meant to really deliver what was removed from the crop and just put stuff back where you found it. I know dad had lots of lessons for me on the farm when you didn't put the hammer back where you found it and then you couldn't find the hammer next time. If you don't put the yield back where you found it through fertility, it's really tough to find that yield the next time. So you're telling me that yield maps aren't just a pretty picture anymore? I'm telling you dad got really mad when you didn't put the hammer back where he found it. And we have a question from the audience. Nathan in Wisconsin asks, can tissue testing save my farm money on fertilizer that I would have applied incorrectly and help shift my program to things that make me money? Well, I think Nathan has had some extra time this season with the Packers being down and out to think about his fertility plan. So, Nathan, I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you've turned your attention to this. John, what would you recommend? Joel, I, did you just shed a tear there for the Packers? I'm a little torn up about the Packers, but Rogers tried to come back. Do you see? He never gives up. Tried to come back. I don't know if I can uh, have this conversation about NFL politics with you on a crop show. So let's get right to the question. And, and I think there's some good ways to answer this question. But I always go back to my frame of mind and thinking is, 
if you're not measuring something, how the heck are you ever going to manage it? So maybe a tissue sample across the farm, you could say, can it save my farm money? Well, if you weren't taking the tissue sample, how would you know you were deficient? But I think it also has to start with a, you have to have a platform there. So did you take a soil sample? Do you have yield maps from last year? Do you know what the potential is across that acre? Because by taking a tissue sample, it might tell you, hey, you're phosphorus deficient, but you know by having a soil sample, say, hmm, maybe phosphorus isn't my limiting factor here. My tissue might be showing it, but there might be other deficiencies within that tissue sample that I need to concentrate a little bit more on. So having a bunch of different components and being able to overlay them across each other would definitely help take that farm and maybe save some money or allocate nutrients to where you need to put them. Having driven a, a Wisconsin vehicle before without a gas gauge, and that's the way tissue sampling could be here is if you've ever driven a vehicle that doesn't have a working gas gauge, you kind of fill up the tank and then you drive down the road a little ways, but you never really have an idea of what's actually in the tank. And I think as you look at your fertility program, you fill up the tank with phosphorus and potassium and you use a soil sample to make that adjustment. And then you go driving down the road in season and a tissue sample is the gas gauge that helps you figure out where you might be running short or long. I know that if I fill up my tank, I could probably make it for about three, four days, but it'd be a heck of a lot better if you had some way in season or in the the middle of that drive to be able to distinguish where you might be running short. Yeah, definitely so. I think there's some different factions to imply there. The one thing that I would want to add to that is Joel, my Ford, I know when I get to zero, I'm still good for another 50 miles. Don't trust that gas gauge. You'll be on the side of the road soon, John. You've been listening to The Deal with Yield with Joel Whipperfirth, Winfield United Ag Technology Applications Lead, and joining us in the studio today, agronomist John Zook. For additional episodes of The Deal with Yield, visit iTunes and thedealwithyield.com 